We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We preview South Dakota and Derek Young sits down one-on-one with Deuce Vaughn next on 3Ma. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome into another 3Mod Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online and Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. It is here, game week. We're just a couple of days away from K-State and South Dakota in the 2022 college football season. Kicking off in earnest this Saturday. Could not be more excited for this to get back to Bill Snyder Family Stadium with a team that has as much hype going into the season as K-State has had in quite a while. As always, we appreciate the help of our sponsor, Holiday Distillery. They bring you Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. They also bring you 360 Vodka, whichever is your poison of choice. Make sure that you bring it to the tailgate. Heck, bring them both. Bring them both by the tailgate and uh, make sure that you're all fired up and ready to go. It's an evening kickoff against South Dakota, right? So you have all day to get properly lubed up and ready to go for the game. You'll have all day to sit outside and tailgate. That means you need to bring both of those guys along. I've heard rave reviews and just did earlier this week from somebody who listens to the podcast and picked up some Ben Holiday bottled and Bond bourbon and really enjoyed it. And of course, you should be rocking your Charlie Hustle shirts as well as we are here on the pod. They have a great new line of K-State gear that you can check out as well and uh, make sure that you are ready to go in terms of how you look. Make sure you're wearing these cool new Charlie Hustle shirts that everybody is going to have out there at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. So we've got you prepared and ready to go uh, for your game day experience for the Cats and South Dakota on Saturday. All right, we've got a lot coming at you today. D.Y. had a chance to catch up with Deuce Vaughn one-on-one, so you're going to hear that interview. We had a press conference. We had a depth chart released. We'll get into those in just a minute. We will give you a little bit of preview on South Dakota and what to expect from a a team that's been a pretty solid FCS program, one that, that consistently makes the playoffs there. And then uh, our predictions, and uh, we'll get you set, ready to go for the game on Saturday. So let's start with this. The, the depth chart came out on Monday. Uh, I'll run through basically what I think the main reactions most people had to the depth chart were, and uh, you guys can kind of highlight what, what stood out the most to you. One injury that we've heard about, and this will combine – depth chart and press conferences that Will Honus at linebacker uh, unfortunately is injured. So he's not listed on the two deep. You have Daniel Green and Austin Moore as the two starting linebackers. Of note is that freshman Jake Clifton made the two deep and uh, he's there with an oar by him and Gavin Forsha. 
junior college transfer that K-State pulled in as well. Uh, Cooper Beebe listed inside on the depth chart at guard. KT Levinson and Christian Duffy are your tackles. Kobe Savage and Josh Hayes listed as starting safeties with freshman B.J. Payne on the two deep. You also have Drake Cheatham as or sincere Mason listed uh, at the other safety spot. Nate Matlack starting at defensive end. I don't think that should really be a shock. We all seem like he uh, think that he is poised for a big year. And then Christian Moore listed with an or at fullback along with uh, Jackson Mead. Those would be my main observations. D.Y., uh, you were there at the press conference. You obviously saw the step chart as well. What, what are the highlights to you out of what we saw there on that depth chart? Uh, no Will Honus. Uh, I think that is a power. Not, I don't know if powerful is the right word, but I think it's notable. Um, you're a little thinner at linebacker this year than what we maybe were projecting in the offseason, at least in the early goings. Uh, he'll miss Saturday's game. Will Honus will. And he'll probably miss another one or two after that, at least um, from what I have gathered. Uh, I think Josh Hayes and Kobe Savage separating themselves at safety is probably a good omen for the season. And at the third one, it sounds like could be Drake Cheatham. I think it's interesting. The two returners are TJ Smith and Sincere Mason, and they're the reserves. Uh, Maybe that's a good – I think you could probably take a pretty good positive from that, especially since Chris Kleiman called the safety position the the question mark of the the defense, you know, at one point in the offseason. That's probably probably pivoted a bit towards the linebackers. KT Leviston at left tackle, um, he's getting raved about. Um, I know everyone has their reservations. A lot of people have their reservations, and rightfully so. I mean, KT Loveston has kind of been a work in progress for a while. I don't know that he's necessarily turned out an excellent product on the field yet for people to see. So I can understand being in the, yeah, I have to see it to believe it kind of mode with him. But he certainly has the trust of his teammates and coaches, and and I think that's a strong thing. Some of them said he was the best offensive lineman in camp. So it's not one of those Hudson Card Quinn Ewers situations where the, the guy that outplayed the other didn't win the job. I mean, KT Leviston went out and earned it. Um, thought it was interesting. Not a whole lot of certainty at tight end and fullback. Brian LePac, the new assistant, his position group. So it was basically everybody, three or four guys on the same line. And we still don't know who the starting center is and three true freshmen on the depth chart. I thought that was interesting. Chris Kleiman's known for playing freshman right away. He's not averse to it but i don't know that i remember three of them being on the initial two deep ever because i think that's like you're just coming out and saying it to the world before the, the games even begin we're playing these three and we're probably going to play them quite a bit yeah on the offensive side of the football i'd echo everything you said the kt leviston news is significant because if kansas state connor riley feels comfortable moving a first team all big 12 left tackle off that position to guard they must feel damn good about where KT Leviston is at to put him in at left tackle, especially knowing what Adrian Martinez went through at Nebraska with such a poor offensive line. The last thing you need him doing is running for his life again with an offensive tackle they don't feel comfortable with. So clearly they feel great about where Leviston is at. And look, he's started some games in his past, but it sounds like he's completely retooled his body. He's in the best shape of his career. This is his fifth year in the program. The light seems like it may have come on. And he's got incredible length. I mean, he's he's 6'4", maybe, but his arm length is tremendous. And he was a guy with a Texas offer on out of the recruiting trail, on the recruiting trail out of high school in 2018. So, you know, he was a, a good prospect that K-State brought in. So I think that's significant. And when you look at the interior of the offensive line, if Leviston can play well at left tackle and they can keep BB at guard, the run offense the interior ability to push guys around and dominate in the run game with cooper bb and taylor portier 
together at the guard positions. It, it could be a lot of fun to watch what those guys do and the work they put in. The only other thing I would say on the offensive side of the ball, guys, that I don't like, I really like Hadley Panzer. I don't like rotating centers. And Chris Kleiman said that he's going to play both centers in the uh, the opening game and perhaps throughout the season. I, I do not like having a different center. That's the one position on the offensive line I don't like rotating. So whether it's Hayden Gillum or Hadley Panzer, I want him to stick with one of those guys. And I'd like to see I, – I, I don't know where you rotate Panzer in, though, then, because you, you don't want to take Portier or Cooper Beebe out of the game. But uh, I'm just not a big fan of rotating centers. And then on the defensive side of the football, I mean, look, the, the Will Honus news is concerning. It's uh, obviously just feel for the kid. He's been so injury-plagued throughout his career. It's important to note, you mentioned D.Y., it's not season-ending, but uh, you got to hope that he can get back on the field at some point because depth is then there. Uh, and then the safety position, they love Drake Cheatham and Josh Hayes and Kobe Savage. So you like what you see there. I agree on the center thing. I, I don't like the rotating thing at all. My anticipation is that's not going to last the season. That would be my speculation. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so either. And I'll just throw in too. I mean, look, I want to be optimistic about KT Leviston. I, I trust Connor Riley's judgment in that. I'll just be interested to see how that plays out, especially because like week two, what did we say in the, the last spot about the Missouri game? Like they've got a really good defensive line. And Adrian Martinez has been hurt a lot, and he has dealt with a really bad offensive line. And I think that led to a lot of his problems at Nebraska. So I just – I hope that's short up. They do have a good backup plan if they need to use it, obviously, in, in swinging Cooper Beebe out there. So um, press conference, we've alluded to some of this, uh, some of what we heard in the press conference. Obviously, Will Honus being the only guy out this week, that that is ultimately good. I mean, look, I, I, don't, I don't love not having Will Honus, especially because of the linebacker situation – behind Daniel Green that is a concern to me more of a concern to me than safety honestly on this team but if he's the only guy that's hurt you're you're doing pretty well Khalid Duke is expected to play and Kleiman said it may not be like 50 snaps but he is expected to at least play is healthy enough to be out there I love hearing that um Chris Kleiman said he wanted to try and hold on to the red shirt of Will Howard so if there's a play where Adrian Martinez's helmet gets knocked off you need a quarterback for a play Jake Rubley would be that guy in short stints um, Jack Stanine missed a chunk of fall camp. That's why Christian Moore is in there on the depth chart at fullback with him. Those are some of the standout quotes to me from, from the press conference. Uh, I'll see the floor and out of UDY. What, what did you think was most important from the one guy here that was in the room for that? Yeah, the Khalid Duke thing's interesting. Um, the more he can play as the year goes on, the better they will be. That could mitigate a little bit of the linebacker issues that we've discussed as well. Um, and talking to the players, I'm starting to become a little bit – I was already – starting to, because I think I was defending him more than the most, but the Austin Moore thing, I think there's a true belief in the locker room and amongst the coaching staff that he belongs as a starter. He went and earned that as well. It wasn't just as simple as Will Honus is hurt and Austin Moore's the next up. I, I think he's starter level. Look, he played pretty good in the last two or three games of last season. So I, I don't necessarily worry about him as much, but then, you know, they rotate. So, if it's not Daniel Green and, and if it's not Austin Moore, how do you feel about it? I think Daniel Green's probably going to play a bunch of snaps, though. So uh, he played a lot of snaps last year. They didn't rotate at the middle linebacker position as much as they, they once did, at least last season. So I think that's interesting. The quarterback thing, right? Um, that kind of went quiet, but I think that's a thing. Maybe it's not a thing for this week. It certainly isn't. Um, although it'll be interesting if the game is out of hand. Do they go to Will Howard? They probably won't. 
um, considering what he had shared. They would probably go to Jake Rubley, but that that means two different things, right, to discuss here. And that means they're protecting and want to preserve the redshirt of Will Howard and that Jake Rubley leapfrogged Jaron Lewis in the pecking order as well. So his, you know, when people were discussing him as taking a step forward, it wasn't just lip service. He did take a step forward, however big or small that step may be. That's true. And it was Will Howard. I don't think we'll ever get the answer, or at least maybe not with 100% certainty. But I, I, I would be interested to see who initiated that plan, whether it is Will Howard, knowing that, you know, if, he, if there is a world where transferring makes sense, I'm not saying he's going to, he would like to have that third year of eligibility, right? Or if it's the staff saying we want Will Howard to have all these years of eligibility because we believe, you know, he's going to start a lot of games for us beginning next year. It'd be interesting to see how that was uh, solved. But it would have to be the former more than the latter, right? You would think, but I would just be interested. The one thing I'm a little hesitant on on that is I I would like to get Will Howard some snaps in a game like South Dakota. And, you know, look, he's had some experience, right? He's played in games. But, you know, with this new offense with Colin Klein, I would like to get him some snaps. And so if they're up big, I'd like to see him put in the game. And that might be the case. You play four games. Yeah, yeah, you can. That's where I wonder. I'll be curious what they do. So if they're up by four scores in the fourth quarter, do they put Will Howard in for, you know, the rest of that quarter? Or do they they roll with Jake Rubley? I mean, that'll be interesting to see. Like, they don't have – really any other gimmies necessarily in the non-con, you know, Missouri, Tulane, maybe, but I think they're, they're at least respectable enough that be a 17, 21 point game. So I don't know when they get Will Howard some snaps, but that'll be interesting. And to your point, you don't even hear Jaron Lewis's name echoed anymore. Um, Jake Rubley has clearly surpassed him. That's uh, that's an encouraging sign. Maybe the light has come on for Rubley and it's important for us to recognize that a lot of people last year were asking about Rubley. Well, what's wrong with Rubley? Well, he was a, a true freshman who had his senior season of high school football essentially canceled. And, you know, I don't think anything's necessarily wrong with Rubley. Maybe it's just going to take a little time um, and the light will come on for him. Yeah, the, the linebacker position, that's my biggest concern. And it's not a knock on Austin Moore by any means. I, I like the front three of Sean Robinson, Daniel Green, and Austin Moore as your starting linebackers. But without Will Honus, where it becomes concerning is, as you talked about, D.Y., is the backups and rotating guys in. And if somebody goes down, they're just really thin there. I mean, they got a true freshman in Jay Clifton, and we know they love his potential, but uh, that's pretty rare for K-State to have a true freshman at the linebacker position um, on the two deep. Uh, Gavin Forsha, they, it sounds like they've had to move him kind of out of necessity from the role backing up where he would be on the, what, the strong side backer behind Sean Robinson. And um, I'm blanking on who's the backup to Sean Robinson. Do you uh, Khalid Duke was the other one listening. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like they're out of necessity putting Gavin Forsha at the will spot. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Khalid Duke thing's significant. Chris Kleiman saying that he's going to play because I think we were a little skeptical of that, you know, he kept saying in August, the, the last couple of weeks that, you know, he's ready to go. But every time you were at practice, D.Y., he wasn't there. Like you couldn't, he wasn't on the field practicing. Sounds like he's getting back into shape. And I'll be anxious to see how he moves on the field. I'll be watching him when he comes out there and see after a, such a, a difficult injury that he suffered against Nevada last year, where he's at physically. And if he can get back to the Khalid Duke that we saw in the past couple of years. Speaking to the depth of linebacker, just and I know he's 
still kind of swimming upstream, it sounds like. But just because he's older, I think Gavin Forche might become kind of a significant uh, individual for this, whoa, whoa, this whoa, whoa. season. Hold, wait, wait, wait. Hold up. Forche? I think it's pronounced Forche. Forche. For shame on us for not going through the pronunciation yeah. guide. John, John John likes Gavin even more now that he knows his last name is pronounced Forche. I do. Now That's pretty cool, him. man. I like. Yeah, I dig it. Forche. Yeah. So they're moving him around a bit, uh, and I know he's swimming upstream. He's still got to figure some things out, and maybe the non-conference will be the antidote for that. But just because he's older, like has that experience, he, he's a junior college. He hasn't played college football, but he played JUCO. Um, so his body's ready for it, right? You just wonder if he's going to play a significant role at some point because they're going to need to probably on the fly in, in these first, well, you have three games, develop some depth at linebacker uh, and that you, you become comfortable with, whether that's getting Will Honus back for conference play, whether that's Jake Clifton getting some significant snaps or Gavin Forche just kind of learning the tools of the trade. I think that's going to be uh, a big thing to keep an eye on. Well, here in the open, basically what we're doing here is the top headlines of the week. That's what I think this will turn into on this pod as we roll throughout the season. The other big headline to me just going into this game would be the, the significance of the season overall for, for Chris Kleiman and company. We're, we know that he can win eight games. We've seen that now every single time he's gone out there outside of a, a wonky COVID year with a quarterback injury in 2020. So I, I don't doubt that they can get there. But if there is ever a time to take a step forward – the time is now based on the roster that you have and what you're going to lose going into next year. If not now, then when? I guess would really be the question here for, for Climate and company. If this is not the year when you have more first-team All-Big 12 players, six than anybody else on the preseason All-Big 12 team, a quarterback that we think is going to be pretty special this year, and Adrian Martinez, if this is not the year to take that step forward, will you ever be able to do it? And when is the next time that that opportunity occurs because you're just going to take such a massive hit in terms of personnel losses after this season? Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, f we'll find out in the future what college football is going to look like. But in, the, in its current state, and I know it's devolving into something even more complicated for the likes of Kansas State. But in its current state, programs like Kansas State have like once every three or four years where they have a window like this. But it only lasts one year. It's not like in professional sports where you're even if you're a small market team, your window is what two to four years in some cases, and and then then you're shut out in college football. If you're that's a small market club, so to speak, like Kansas state is you have that one year and this is that one year for Kansas state. And you said, if not now, when, well, then you probably have to wait another couple of years, at least for your roster to build up, you know, all at the same time where you have, where you feel like you have one of your most talented rosters that you've assembled. So if not now, when it'll probably take another, at least three years, you would think, right. So I agree. This is the winning window. He's got to capitalize. Yeah. And it's not just the talent, right? We, we talked about the most talented team Kleiman has had, but it's also his most experienced team. And we talked about on previous episodes, all of the fifth and sixth year guys in this program, and even fourth year guys that Kansas State's going to be relying on that have played a ton of college football, whether it be in Manhattan or at another program and have transferred in. So they've got a ton of experience. The locker room is in great shape. The culture is in really good shape within the program. Uh, and if they can stay healthy, now is the time to capitalize and get past that eight-win threshold. I, I think they need to win at least nine games this year in the regular season. I think nine and three, look, that's a difficult challenge, but the Big 12 is more wide open than ever. I, I think there's opportunities for this team. 
Uh, we picked them to go to the Big 12 championship. Uh, that's a high bar to set, high expectations. But I think as a Kansas State fan, if they can get to nine and three, you feel somewhat satisfied. Anything eight wins and under, you'd feel disappointed. I know eight and four is a respectable season, but I, I'd, I'd leave the season at a disappointment if that's what occurs. So it's a huge season for Chris Kleiman because next year looks like a rebuilding year. Um, you know, they're, they're losing a lot. They'll likely lose several underclassmen to the NFL draft. Um, we don't know what, you know, Cooper Beebe, Deuce Vaughn, Felix, their decisions, but you know, it's likely that they're going to lose at least a couple of those guys to the draft. And so they're going to have to replenish a lot of pieces next year. And so it's, it's likely going to be a team that, that struggles a little bit more. Um, so it's important to capitalize and get to nine, 10 wins this year. Could not agree more with the situation that K-State is in there. And I, I sort of hate framing it like that because it feels like just a lot of pressure and makes you even more nervous as a fan. But, I mean, hey, hopefully uh, hopefully it'll be the ride of our lives uh, coming up this year. Hey, Deuce Vaughn is going to be a big part of this, obviously. He is uh, the standout, maybe the best player in the Big 12. And uh, if K-State is going where they want to go, if they're going to capitalize on this window, it's going to be because Deuce Vaughn has a great year. I don't know if it takes necessarily a Heisman caliber sort of year from Deuce Vaughn, but it needs to be a great year from Deuce. And uh, on the precipice of the season, our own Derek Young had a chance to uh, talk to him. So, D.Y., I'll let you kind of set this up, your conversation with uh, Deuce Vaughn from earlier this week. I didn't know what we were going to call it, so I think I let it off. You'll probably hear it called like the three mall conversation of the week. You know, I kind of. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so just just throwing it on there. Yeah. If someone wants to throw us some throw us some money and sponsor that segment, <laughs> go for it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not too proud not to beg here. Uh, you you said it right. He's the most important player on the, on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe the team. He's been the best player for Kansas State for years. Um, Really what he really poured into, I think, and where it felt like he was into the conversation the most, and you guys will be able to maybe discern this, I think he really took it to heart that he was named a captain. I think that meant a lot to him, and I think he takes that – he doesn't take that responsibility lightly, and he kind of spoke about what that meant to him, how he kind of found out. He found out from B.A., as you'll you'll uh, hear on, on the – during the conversation and just the moment where he told his family, like, I thought that was interesting and, and how they found out the news. So um, I thought that was my biggest takeaway, just what being a captain meant to him for this season. Derek Young with our three mall conversation of the week, our pregame show here at our podcast with the Kansas city sports network here with Deuce Vaughn first game. Um, do you still get the first game jitters? I do. Uh, I get very anxious coming up to the game, but it's one of those things where you haven't played in a while and you've been putting so much preparation, so much time into this game that, man, you kind of get the little jittery feeling where, man, you're just ready to go and play. And then, you know, you've been here a while, and then the game week probably doesn't change. Um, Chris Clavin probably has a lot of consistency within his program, but what does a game week, I know it's probably a busy one for you with not much time, what's a game week actually look like? Man, so for me, uh, as far as classes go, all my classes take care of themselves in the morning. Uh, we'll get our lifts in Monday, uh, this this year, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then for myself, after we get done with practice, I go home. I have a schedule regimen of how I go through my film and stuff like that. A little bit different for week one just because we've been preparing for them ever since, I mean, really midway through the summer uh, once you get into fall camp and things like that. So uh, it's going to be a little bit different going into this uh, week. But, I mean, just going through all your run cut-ups, all your blitz cut-ups and things like that throughout the week, make sure you're ready go and prepare to 
play whenever it's time to go and play on Saturday. Yeah, you mentioned that you, you kind of prepare for this game. Uh, it goes back into the summer. I imagine that's the only one that kind of works that way. So are you always the most prepared for game one? Because you, you work on it the most. Yes, yeah, so in a sense, uh, it's, it's a little bit different just because from the mere fact that you don't have any game film from this year of the team that you're about to play. You really only have game film from last year. So you're looking at uh, blitz cut-ups and things like that, and they haven't uh, moved their D coordinator or anything like that. So it should be the same scheme and things like that. But you also have to be ready to adjust on the fly just from the mere fact they may come out and give you a new look because it's a new year. Uh, it's the first game of the year. You don't have any right now game film. But uh, in a sense, whenever it comes in and going to the first game, you've been watching – uh, so many clips, the same clips over and over and over again, you start to pick up some things a little more than whenever you only have five days to get ready for a team in a regular week. Missouri is the second game. I know you don't want to talk about it too much, but that one has a lot of attention. It's already sold out. Is it hard to peek at that even a little bit? A little bit, uh, just from the mere fact that it's SEC football team, uh, rivalry game. And uh, But you always have to understand that you got to go through week one and get to week two. So uh, right now we're fully prepared uh, for South Dakota, getting ready for South Dakota, but uh, knowing that Mizzou is going to be there whenever we take care of business this week. The Coyotes are this week. Is there anything you know specific to their defense that really stands out to you? Man, uh, we talked to Coach Klum, and actually yesterday as a captain, as a leadership counselor, and, uh, man, just the football players that they have are very talented. And you can kind of see, and he told us that he played and coached in that league for a very, very long time, so he knows the talent in that league. So they, you have some players that pop off the film, and they play hard, they run fast, and, man, they play as a unit is one thing that I see in their defense. They play as a unit, and they're bringing some guys back. Also bringing up some new guys, so it's going to be interesting to see exactly Exactly how they attack us, and uh, we have some things schemed up for them. It's going to be a fun game. I think Adrian. Uh, we already spoke to him. He kind of brought up how they almost beat Kansas State 2018. They almost beat Kansas last year. They, they've come close a few different times against uh, Power Five opponents. Is that something that the coaching staff or, or the players, your teammates, drive home at all? Absolutely. Um, we're trying to have it be a 50-50, understanding that this is a very good football team that come in and beat you on any Saturday, and they've shown that over the past, I guess, three years now. Uh, but also understanding that we have a really talented team, and as long as we take care of ourselves throughout the week and worry about exactly what we're doing, make sure that everything is ready to go, uh, we should have a really, really good chance of being successful. And uh, So just making sure that you find that good, healthy, medium balance of saying, uh, guys, we're a really good team, and uh, we have the talent to go out there and win, but these guys are also talented as well, so they're not to be overlooked. There was a stretch this offseason where it seemed like national outlet after national outlet kind of sang your guys' praises. I don't know if you guys caught wind of that and even called you guys, you know, potential dark horse Big 12 title contender. How much do you pay attention to that? Uh, how much did your teammates pay attention to it? Do you try to shut them off from it? Uh, we definitely try to shut ourselves off from it. And, man, it's always going to be there whenever you open up Twitter, open up uh, anything as far as a social media outlet. But you try to tune it out just from the mere fact that you have to be where your feet are at. Uh, and you're in the middle of the summer and all you're worried about is that workout in front of you. You're worried about that meal. You're worried about that your nutrition, the game film, and things like that. Just making sure you're taking it step by step, day by day. And if you do that, everything will take care of itself at the end. Feels like you've been here forever already. I don't know if that feels that way to you because you played so much as a true freshman. There's three true freshmen on the two deep that we saw on Monday. Are you able to kind of pour into them a little bit and kind of tell them about your experience as a true freshman being on that two deep? I think, you know, 
essentially being you know taking a lot of snaps as a freshman and are those those three really guys that you're going to be counting on this year they are uh jake clifton vj Payne, and jacob Parrish. man they they pop off the film uh whenever we're going through fall camp you kind of see them make some plays you're like okay i see you out there and then it kind of happens over and over and over again you kind of understand that this is a guy these are guys that are going to help us out a whole bunch this year and man i talked to jake clifton yesterday uh we were out we just got done with practice and uh, he was kind of asking me about just playing in a game in front of 50,000 fans. He'd come to a couple of K-State games, but he never played in it. And I was like, man, it's going to be an unreal feeling, but you're going to have 50,000 people behind you, and you're going to feel that the entire the entire game. And uh, it was kind of different my true freshman year with COVID, but uh, coming out my sophomore year and getting to play in front of these fans, uh, I told him to take it all in. Uh, go out there and play your game. Uh, you wouldn't be on the 2D. You wouldn't be in this position if you didn't have the talent and uh, the, the physical abilities to come out here and do it. Man, uh, the, the jitters are going to run away uh, very quickly once you take your first hit, once you hit somebody. And, uh, man, you're going to go out there and fly around, just take care of business out the week. Have you ever been popped by Jake Clifton yet? Does he bring a little bit of a pop? I have not, actually, but he runs so well, man. It's one of those things where, I mean, he got an interception, and you can see the speed that he has, the, the quickness and things like that. But I have not taken a hit from Jake Clifton yet. And they probably keep the hits off of you right now and uh, throughout the offseason, yeah, right? Just, just a little bit. I mean, I kind of get a little upset about not being able to go live and things like that, but I understand the game. But we're almost there. You're, you were named a captain. Kind of talk about the reaction and response to that, what it means to you, but also maybe how you found out. I'm, I'm sure it was a team-wide kind of thing. If you want to keep it behind closed doors, go ahead. But but uh, just, yeah, the experience being named a captain here at Kansas State. Uh, for me, it was big time just from the fact that whenever I got here, I was I was not a vocal person. Uh, I wasn't somebody that was looked at as a leader. It was something I had to grow into, something I had to really work on over my three years here. And uh, I've kind of – learn to come out of my shell on the practice field in the weight room whenever something needs to be said someone needs to be held accountable i step into that role and something that that i'm just super proud of myself uh proud of everybody that helped me bring me along to that and i I can't not give uh props to skylar thompson the jerome mcpherson and guys that have left our program but have left a big impact on myself going into stepping into this role man they they prepared me for it and uh, i got a call from uh, coach anderson uh he he was like man you got voted a captain as well as things where i was kind of not shocked, but I was kind of out my breath. Kind of was like, like that's that's a big time honor and to be in that position here with these guys, this team, this coach, this staff. Man, it's 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 a real feeling. What did your mom and dad? I know you probably told them just uh, maybe their reaction and how you. Uh, broke the news to them absolutely so as soon as my as soon as coach Anderson called me I ended up calling my mom first and she was super excited and she was uh jumping up and down and things like that called my dad he took the coach approach he was like you gotta go play ball now uh you gotta go take care of business and this one else. And he said he was proud of me as well and um and I, I can't thank them enough for just the, the position they've put me in as a young man and to be able to be in this spot how ready is Adrian Martinez with this team? I mean, it's funny. We were just watching Nebraska last week, and now their quarterback is here. How ready is he? I mean, you've seen you know quarterbacks come through here. Is he is he ready for this moment? Oh, he's ready to go. He's ready to go, man. Just the preparation that I've seen him put in over this entire offseason, man, I can't wait for him to strap it up and go get loose with us. And one last thing for me is going to be about DJ Giddens. We kind of knew because Chris Kleiman said he, he could have earned that number two spot behind you. Is he – is he ready to? I mean, how ready is he for college football? Because I think it was the mental stuff probably more than anything that's kind of held him back until now. Of course. To see his progression from whenever he first got here to even yesterday, man, I'm, I'm super proud of him and everything that he has done to make sure that he's in the right position to go out here on Saturday and be able to play. 
Um, he's extremely talented, physically gifted, and all it was was getting the, the playbook down, getting everything, all his tools right, and, man, he's done that. And that's one of the things that man, I'm super excited for him to go out there and play. I mean, he asked me questions every single day about uh, playing in front of this crowd, playing in front of uh, just people and just doing all that stuff, especially at the college football level. And I told him, you're going to take your first hit, you're going to knock it all off, it's going to be football. And, man, I'm super excited for him. I can't wait to see what he does. All right, that's Deuce Vaughn. I'm Derek Young. You're listening to the Three Mall Podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we greatly appreciate Deuce Vaughn taking some time for us here on the pod. And uh, as always, appreciate the work of Derek Young tracking that down on Tuesday at, uh, at Veneer, K-State Football Complex. And before we move on, look, it's a big week in Kansas, man. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is officially live in Kansas, just in time for football season. That means betting legally on same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and more anytime and anywhere across the Sunflower State. To celebrate, DraftKings is giving new Kansas customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on anything and get $200 in free bets instantly. Instantly. Thursday night is almost here, depending on when you're listening to this. Want more action for opening night kickoff? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up to seven, or get up seven, you win. Bet on any pro football team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. So get up seven, you win, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's code KCSN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700, 21 and older. Physically present in Kansas, eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus listed as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash Kansas on behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino. Okay, I have some quick hitters for you, you guys. I was trying to, speaking of brainstorming names, for segments, this might be another one that we need to brainstorm. Uh, so if anybody, you know, look, you guys kind of helped us workshop the title of this podcast. If you want to help us workshop our, our segment names here, that would that would be great. But quick hitters is what I've got for now. I apologize for not having anything uh, better right now. But let's start with this. Which group will we feel better about by the end of the year? Linebackers not named Deuce Green, a.k.a. Daniel Green, or running backs not named Deuce Vaughn? Who will we feel better about by the end of the year? Linebackers not named Daniel Green 
running backs not named Deuce Vaughn. <laughs> I'm letting D.Y. go first. It's a tough one, you know right? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say running backs. I think D.J. Giddens. I think that'll be uh, not a household name, but a name we go into next year feeling very comfortable about not essentially replacing Deuce Vaughn. Replacing Deuce Vaughn is going to be impossible, but to do what enough that he wants to do. Because you talk about linebackers. I mean, Daniel, behind Daniel Green, his backup could leave after this season too. He's already graduated. That's Nick Allen. Um, Austin Moore is going to start. Will Honus, he graduates. Sean Robinson, he graduates. We're, I don't know how much we're going to see Gavin Forche. So I, it's hard to pick linebacker just because of the uncertainty. Yeah, that you outlined why I would pick running back. Like Jake Clifton is really him and Gavin Forche are really the only reasons that you know for optimism that you would probably see on the football field in the linebacker position. And look, running backs then too because you only had three scholarship backs, two behind Deuce Vaughn. But I think the expectations and, and the ceiling for DJ Giddens is pretty high. And he's a redshirt freshman. If he can get a grasp on the playbook. Um, you know, and the light bulb comes on, the potential from an actual skill standpoint is there for him to be a very talented back. And I, you know, Chris Kleiman said in the press conference, he's ready to go. And so I'm anxious to see what he can do because we know he's a big, powerful running back. DY, you've mentioned that, you know, a comparison of maybe Mike McCoy um, before the injury and uh, unfortunate injury that he suffered. So I'm excited to see what DJ Giddens can do. And I think we'll feel better about the running back room you know, seeing that. And then Anthony Frias, another guy that has eligibility beyond this year. That was a late junior college ad. And maybe we see some things that really click for him and uh, make us feel better about the running back room moving forward. Just about to say, man, no love for Anthony Frias or Jordan Shippers or like James White, a couple other transfers that are in the mix there. Like James White from Air Force, Jordan Shippers from Western Illinois. I think the answer probably is running back, but I, I'll take a different angle on it and say that some of that is just because it's easier to see when they pop. Like when they have a, a flash, it's easier for fans to pick out than it might be at, at linebacker where you could, you could produce a great play and it wouldn't be as easily noticeable. Um, or, you know, if a running back is out there and struggling in pass protection, things like that, it might be more covered up sometimes. Like it just offense is sexier and like people gravitate towards that more. So if there are a couple of Mike McCoy sort of moments like that Charlotte game where he just trucked a dude, um, that would be easier, I think, to generate excitement. But I, I honestly, I would say this, like I almost, would you rather it be linebacker? Would you rather the answer to that be linebacker by the end of the year? I don't think so. Because if not, then who's going to play running back next year? Yeah. Uh, I think I'd rather be linebacker. I, I think you can land – it, coming off what Deuce Vaughn has done and assuming you're what he right, this right. year. I, mean, I think James Gilbert and Jordan Brown here. I was going to yeah. say, I the portal well for running. Uh, I, and I'm just thinking even for this year, for, for how this season goes, I don't know. I just – Oh, for this I, season, especially linebacker. You're yeah, right. Yeah, I worry so much more about linebacker. I, to yeah. me, I would rather the answer be linebacker. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, right. you got an All-American running back. And for, uh, and, for the, and for the future, I know what Cole is going to touch on. He's right. It's linebacker because, I mean – when they first took over, they landed James Gilbert and Jordan Brown. Um, that wasn't too spawn type production, but it was good enough. Yeah, I think it's linebacker now. But if you are, you know, because of the running back position, especially coming on the heels of what Deuce Vaughn has done in this offense, I think they they could land a high quality running back in the transfer portal. Um, and those guys usually can plug and play pretty quickly into a system, and it'd be an attractive system 
for a, a good running back to want to come in and play for. So assuming Deuce Vaughn leaves after this season, we'd love to have Deuce back, but oh, sure. uh, just, I think we're expecting that to occur. Um, here's one for you. I'm going to give you guys a chance to, uh, I hope you, know, you do a big 12 one since we just got the news before today's show. Well, I didn't have time to work that in. Yes. Great big 12 news that they're entering early negotiations with ESPN and Fox. Your uh, accelerated extension talks is now they're saying, right. On, on, uh, the Brett Yormark front looks like looks like things are going pretty well there. That'll negate some of the Pac-12's advantage of going to market right now, which is what we've heard from from Pac-12 circles. But now I'm going to give you a chance to get some shots in here. What number will be higher, uh, Deuce Vaughn rushing yards this year or Dylan Edwards career yards from scrimmage? Deuce Vaughn rushing yards this year or Dylan Edwards career yards from scrimmage? Well, when you talk career yards from scrimmage, John, are you including special teams? Nope. That's why yards from scrimmage. <laughs> All right. All right. DY, I can go first on this. I'm going to take, uh, I'll take Deuce. Uh, this season will surpass anything that Dylan Edwards does in his career. And look, the, a large part of that is it's just so unpredictable with how recruits are going to do um, in systems. And Dylan Edwards is going to Notre Dame. I don't see him getting a lot of playing time at Notre Dame and the way they're going to utilize him. I think Dylan Edwards, I project, will eventually transfer. Uh, I don't know. I it just, I don't feel great about, but that's a tough question. I don't want to look like I'm knocking Dylan Edwards. I just, I'm going to take the certainty of the all American running back and what he's going to do this year versus a 17, 18 year old high school kid coming into uh, Notre Dame in a year. That's what I will do as well. Um, now, it, cause it's just, he's going to be at most schools that he would pick a gadget type player. That's the thing where getting touches becomes an interesting uphill battle because I don't think Notre Dame makes him, you know, a three down back or even a two down back like he could like at Kansas State. And that's not me talking him out of his decision or saying he made a poor one. I just I think his touches are going to be mitigated now that he's not going to Kansas State because I think other teams are going to see him as more of a gadget player. They're going to use their bigger back, you know, to give the ball to hand the ball to uh, more often. And if you or only a guy that catches the ball, then it's it's you're not assured of getting the ball. That's how I always say running backs are more reliable getting the ball than receivers because you hand it to them. Receivers, you have to throw it to one's a lot easier than the other. It doesn't hit the ground. So that, for that reason, I'd go deuce. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually lean Dylan Edwards here, but just because I, I don't think he's going to play out his entire career at Notre Dame, which I think will give him a, a chance to have more yards from scrimmage somewhere else. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be K-State after everything that's happened, but I, I would guess he transfers somewhere else a little That's smaller. a good point. I mean, I'm not even certain he signs with Notre well, Dame. That's, that's what I was going to say, John. What Do you think he goes to Notre Dame? I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he still might. We'll see. But, you know, there's really been less rumblings about it. Deuce last year had 1,404 rushing yards. So if it were a season similar to that, Dylan would have four years of eligibility to average 351 scrimmage yards per year if you want to break it down like that. But you got to throw in receiving yards for Deuce, too, which was over 400, right? But I, Cole, you 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 didn't pay attention to the question. I said Deuce Vaughn rushing yards or Dylan Edwards scrimmage yards. Oh. Oh, I thought we were. Here's my thing. I'm not sure Dylan Edwards gets any carry. He says college spot. That's a thing. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think if he goes to a, a smaller place, I think there's a good chance of that. So I'll, I'll I'll lean Dylan Edwards on that and believe in the talent there that had me excited about him coming to K-State. Um, 
Who would you rather have as your coach up by four with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter? Kansas, Les Miles, or Nebraska, Scott Frost? Kansas, Les Miles, or Nebraska, Scott Frost? I mean, geez, the cow. And it's a close game and everything, right? Yep, oh. yep. You're up by four, two minutes to go, fourth quarter. I mean, I'll take the guy that hasn't completely, I mean, from a clinical standpoint, hasn't completely lost his mind. So I guess Scott Frost. Uh, I'm going to oh. take less. Uh, see, I'm taking less miles because he's just not going to say anything. He's going to give the ball to his son. <laughs> no, he's not even going to, he's not even going to say anything. So he, the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator will be running it, you know, less miles to keep his mouth shut. Uh, while Scott Frost will find a way to actually jump in and screw it up. So that's why I'm taking less miles. Cole nailed that. Cole nailed that. That is my that's my take on it too. Frost has lost 21 one possession games in four plus years now at Nebraska. 21. So like it just doesn't happen. And I, I don't think he believes. I don't think any of those guys believe. So I would actually would actually take less miles uh in that situation, believe it or not. On the Nebraska front, I gotta give a shout out to uh my guy Powercat Ryan on Twitter for this one because I saw he threw this question out earlier this week and and it was a good one. Uh, would you trade an 11 and one season this year for K state? If it meant that Kleiman got hired at Nebraska, would you trade an 11 and one season this year for Kleiman getting hired at Nebraska? As, a, as long as you win the big 12 championship game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a no brainer for me. As long as you win a big 12 title, then I think absolutely. But even if it was 11 and one and you lose in the big 12 title, I, I think I take that. In that no, scenario, I'm, I'm well, but then look, my, my rationale is like we've always said Kansas State has to find somebody that can have good success beyond Bill Snyder. Bill Snyder was always the guy that had success here, but nobody else really has. Look, Chris Kleiman has had success here, but if you can get to that 10 11 win threshold and show that the ceiling beyond Bill Snyder, somebody else can accomplish that, I think that's meaningful and you attract then. Look, if Chris Kleiman makes a jump, you, you're able to attract another quality coach because you showed it's not in the shadow of Bill Snyder anymore, and you showed that another coach following in his footsteps can have success here. So I absolutely take that, and uh, you know, it, I think it'd be an easy decision for me. I agree, and and part of it to me is because, and I hate to look at it through this lens, but with the way college athletics is changing. This is still a year in which Oklahoma and Texas are in the Big 12 to, to go through and have an opportunity to win 11 games in a Big 12 championship while you're still in uh, a league that, you know, I mean, it's not the SEC or the Big 10, obviously, even right now, but still with Texas and Oklahoma in that league, in the kind of current climate that is changing in college athletics, I just, how many more opportunities are you going to get for that? I mean, they're really, they're, there's one or maybe two. Um, I, I would take that. I would take I, that then with the I hope that you can hire well afterwards. And like Cole said, you've kind of debunked the rumor that Snyder is the only guy that can do that. I quibble a little bit with one thing. Is it, is it even not the big 10 now when it still has Texas and Oklahoma, what does the big 10 really have besides Ohio state and Michigan? Well, I guess in, in terms of perception, you know, whether or not that's reality in terms of perception, uh, I, I would say that. Um, Cole, I just realized I, I went out of order here. I skipped right over our, our South Dakota preview. So we, we should, we are not trying to disrespect South Dakota. Let me tell, let me just say that right now. I, I, my apologies. Um, I know Chris Kleiman has a lot of respect for them. He talked at length about that in the press conference this week. He obviously comes from the FCS ranks. He is familiar with South Dakota and the program that they have. So, uh, all I know about South Dakota, they almost beat K-State in 2018. 
They almost beat Kansas here recently. They played here in 2015 as well. So they should be pretty familiar with the environment of Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And I, I would guess won't be intimidated. But as far as what they have specifically, this is uh, this is the Cole Manbeck research department here. Well, look, I'm not going to give you the five minute spiel and overview that I usually do on PowerCat game day in the past. Um, that absorbs a lot of time. What I will tell you is it's a football team that went seven and four in the regular season last year. Um, they're starting to build Bob Nielsen. Uh, the coach there is, is a really good coach. He's actually a three-time recipient, a national coach of the year recipient, and a two-time national championship head coach. They play in the Missouri Valley Conference. Missouri Valley, if all of you know, it's probably the best FCS conference there is. North Dakota State resides there. South Dakota State, a perennial top 10 team, plays in it. Northern Iowa as well, which is usually a top 15, top 20 team. So really good league. Obviously, North Dakota State has won the majority of the national titles the last several years. South Dakota's picked to finish sixth out of the 12 teams in the Missouri Valley in the preseason poll. Um, you know, they, they beat three top 16 teams in the FCS last year, highlighted by a win over South Dakota State, which was ranked number seven in the country. They also won at Northern Iowa, which was ranked 16th at the time. So they, they have some pieces. And what, what I will say is from an actual on the field standpoint is they're going to run the ball a lot at Kansas State. On the offensive side of the football, they like to run it. They ran for 170 yards per game last season. Only North Dakota State ran the ball more attempts per game than South Dakota and the Missouri Valley. Um, every single game they played in last year, they ran it more times than they threw the ball. They returned four of their five starters up front on the O-line. They returned their starting quarterback. This is his third year starting. He started part-time as a freshman, had a nice season last year as a sophomore, and you know is now entering year three. And they have a first-team All-Missouri Valley receiver in, in Carter Bell. So uh, they've got some quality pieces. Defensive side of the football, uh, I think linebackers probably their strength. Pass efficiency defense, secondary, that's probably going to be their weakness. But last year, they allowed 21 points per game, ranked 23rd in the FCS. And they were 24th in the FCS in run defense, allowing three and a half yards per carry. So uh, they're going to give K-State a little bit of a test. But uh, I, I like Obviously, the Wildcats. So, well, I don't even want to jump to the prediction. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I won't give you the score prediction or anything, but in case they should handle the Coyotes um, or Coyotes, however you, you want to say it. It's a good tease there, Cole. It's a good tease. You got to wait. You got to wait a little bit if you want the uh, specific prediction here. But we like to look at the rest of the college football world a little bit and uh, also embarrass ourselves, which is a good way to do that by picking games. Uh, you already heard the DraftKings read, so you can, you can literally take – our lead pipe locks of the week, which this I do. Ha I have a name for this part of the pod. Okay. You know, the lead pipe lock of the week. We're all going to give a lead pipe lock of the week. And I'm going to start with mine because Cole's already made fun of me for it when I sent out the outline and it had this included on it. But I'm telling you, I'm going to be right on this. Colorado is a 14 point dog at home, home dog against TCU. I'm taking Colorado plus the 14 here. Look, a road season opener for a team with a new head coach in TCU. And it's a head coach that I think we all kind of agreed it was a fairly uninspired hire, Sonny Dykes at, at TCU. And the other thing that really strikes me about this is Dykes literally this week said they may play three quarterbacks. Like they have obviously Max Duggan and Chandler Morris, but there's another kid too kind of involved loosely in this battle. And he said, well, we could, we could play them all. I don't love that, man. Going on the road, it's a Power 5 opponent. I know Colorado's been terrible. I know Cole told me another Vegas over-under is two and a half wins this year. I don't I don't care. I still think that's a recipe and a season opener for 
a tricky battle. I'm not saying TCU will lose, but two touchdowns is an awful lot. And remember, as bad as Colorado was last year, they almost got Texas A&M. They almost got Texas A&M in a similar situation. So right, well, I'm, you, I'm, you, taking, I'm taking the buffs. Right, Go future you, Big 12 brethren Colorado. Look, you, you do make some good points. Friday night, primetime game, you know, all 30,000 people in Boulder are going to be fired up uh, attending that game. No, I, I do think they'll have a, a decent crowd. Um, the two and a half wins you already outlined, but, and I was going to make a joke that I value our listeners money and to ignore <laughs> your bet because you'll be digging out of a hole on a Saturday morning already after an 0 one start. But uh, look, you, you outlined some reasons as to why it makes sense. So I'll be, uh, you know, look, I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the Sunny Dykes hire at TCU. So I'll be curious to watch what transpires on Friday night. And we'll see if John gets, uh, gets everybody off to a one and no start. If you choose to follow his advice and go to DraftKings and, uh, and place that bet. I hope, hope some of you are starting off in the hole. I've got a better lock for you though. Uh, North Carolina, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday. So keep in mind the lines could change a little bit. North Carolina minus one and a half at Appalachian state. Um, look, Appalachian state has knocked off a lot of teams over the last few years. They beat South Carolina a couple years ago. They actually won at North Carolina in 2019, which is why this is a revenge game for the Tar Heels. Mac Brown is not getting knocked off by Appalachian State again. I love the minus one and a half. They're going to go into Boone, North Carolina, and they're going to come out with a 10 to 14 point win. Drake May, quarterback at North Carolina. I watched UNC last Saturday against Florida A&M because uh, I'm a sucker for football. What about that defense, though? Well, that defense isn't very good. But, uh, you know, they're going to find a way to outscore Appalachian State. Uh, you know, the Mountaineers are going to be fired up for that ball game, but I, I like the Tar Heels to uh, to pull out that win, and uh, they're going to cover easily for you guys. So, so jump on that. 11 a.m. kick in Boone, North Carolina. I think mine is a Friday game, or it might be a Thursday game. I got the Penn State-Purdue game. So um, that's what we're talking about here. I got Penn State minus three and a half. Look. I went back, just kind of what James Franklin's done at Penn State. They're a fast-starting team aside from the COVID year. They And they blow the doors off of teams uh, historically. I think that they're being slept on a little bit in the Big Ten this year. I think that's a really good team that could has a chance to win the Big Ten East if they can just beat Ohio State at home. Obviously, easier said than done, right? But I like Penn State minus three and a half against Purdue. I, look, any team in the Big Ten West that's only a three and a half point dog against a Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State, you lay the points. I like Penn State minus three and a half. Okay. I like mine the best, but that's all right. I like I like mine. I, I don't hate Coles. I'm a, I would be worried about John. <laughs> yeah, Coles Cole is the one I, 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 man, I don't know. That feels like an App State dub to me. I don't. And I, but I don't get the revenge from, it was 2019. There's no Tar Heels left from that team. Mac Brown is still there. He's going to have the. <laughs> Mac Brown's like 85. Yeah, Mac Brown doesn't even remember 2021. Yeah, okay. You guys are underestimating how enthusiastic of a pregame speech Mac Brown can provide <laughs> his team. All right. So I hope I hope ESPN or whatever channel that game is on, they show the locker room footage of Mac Brown bringing up 2019 to his team and how they won that game 34 to 31 against North Carolina. And you know why I remember that game? Because I lost money on that game so, oh, so this, this is, is a revenge this is game for Mac me Brown revenge game this is the cool man back yes revenge. this is a revenge game for me i am gonna hammer wow. that minus one and a half 
let me give you guys some, I'm sure DraftKings would echo this. Don't, don't bet emotionally. You know, you don't, you don't want to <laughs> bet emotionally. Um, you can't let your emotions get involved here. And clearly that's happened with Cole. DY and I, we're just machines. We're emotionless. We're like nobody Austin is, Moore. Nobody the assessed my Penn State pick. No. Well, look, I, I actually was kind of eyeing that Purdue money line. I thought I saw some value there. You don't march, march into Ross Aid Stadium on a Thursday or Friday night. You remember your Buckeyes went in there on a Saturday night and they lost. All right. Well, there's all the smack talk, I suppose, for one week. I don't know what to tell you guys about where to put your money. Just know uh, we are not professionals when it comes to that. Okay. So I, I, I am not a professional at all. I tried legitimately putting money on games one time and uh, by like week five i was out of the money that i started with and i've given up ever since so prediction time we teased this a little bit earlier uh cole was not going to give you his prediction yet now is the time uh i am taking k-state 38 to 13 over south dakota um just because of the respect i have for south dakota and their program I'm not going to pick this to be some total whitewashing, like the nickel state game, for instance, that was Chris Kleiman's first game at, at home uh, for the cats. I'll, I'll stick in that 38 to 13 range. I think K-State wins pretty comfortably, but, but South Dakota is respectable enough. I think I have 37, 13. So in, in the same wheelhouse, just a point off or so. So that's what I got. You guys are going with ESPN and Bill Connolly's like projected margin. He has it at 37 to 12. You I don't are, read Bill Connolly. Well, all right. But you, got, well, you guys are surrounding that, that score prediction that he's got. I'm going to go with 45 to 10 uh, K state. Like I don't, we haven't seen a line for the game yet, but I think Kansas state wins this game by, by 35 plus. Yeah. And they start know. their path to the big 12 championship, John. They're <laughs> headed to the, the, the path to the big 12 championship. A 10 win regular season starts. Saturday with a dominant win over South Dakota. All right. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. For Tucker Franklin, behind the scenes, all the work that he always does, we appreciate him as always. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Holiday Distillery. Make sure you get your 360 Vodka and Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon for the tailgate. Rock your Charlie Hustle shirts and uh, go get your DraftKings on, maybe or maybe not, with the uh, lead pipe locks of the week. Uh, take care, guys. Enjoy the game. Can't wait to talk to you after we have an actual tangible game to discuss of K-State football this year. Thanks for listening to 3 Mon. We'll see you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.